0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, we're joined by the one and only Chris Plank with OU players returning to campus. Plank lets us know about all the protocols that are in place in Norman. After we talk to Plank, we discuss the biggest national stories in college football, the end of the Civil War in Oregon and the termination of the state flag of Mississippi, K-State players boycotting athletic activities after a student's controversial tweet, and John Swafford retiring as ACC commissioner. In Football Guys Talking Basketball. We discuss Lou Dort's new contract and the Thunder's seating game schedule. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and express our sadness that the State Fair of Oklahoma has been canceled in keeping it local. As always, unless I forget like I did last episode, we finish with a Twitter question. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hossie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Monday, June 29th. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. Just a reminder if your business is interested in sponsoring the podcast during football season, email Teddy and me at theokalomabreakdown at gmail.com. We've actually added two more sponsors since last episode, so we're rolling, baby. I was we've about added, to say, yeah, if no you're interested
1: deal. in uh, advertising, too bad we're full. Too bad, brother.
0: Um, <laughs> we've added Insurica. Uh, which is an insurance company because everyone needs insurance and they insure just about everything under the sun in just about every industry. It's pretty robust. And then we've also added Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. Look at the Tulsa businesses joining the fun. Ted, how about that?
1: Worldwide. We're branching out uh, every nook and cranny of Oklahoma for sure.
0: So, we're very excited to have Insurica and Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs on board, but we're even more excited to be joined by the pride of the 918, some would say, <laughs> to talk some local college football. OU players are back, and to help us talk about their return, we are joined by a man that has talked to people in operations, in equipment, in athletic training. In strength and conditioning in Norman, he has studied the protocols in place and has talked to Dr. Bratzler weekly. Chris Plank,
2: the one and only, is in the house. What up, Plankster? What What do I say on radio? Like first time, long time. Isn't that what you do when you call Ted? When you hey, first time, long time. So first time, long time. Thanks for having me, Gabe. Teddy, it's good to see your face. I it has been it has been an interesting what am I talking about week? It's been an interesting three months, but as you start to see these plans that have been laid out by Oklahoma come to fruition, guys, it's, it's a more of a magnification of how we're really counting on, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old guys to go completely against what's kind of been second nature to them. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong right
0: now? Plank uh, you have, (laughs) you really dove into these protocols. You've been talking to the people that have, help put them together. Now, I I want you to explain this to me like I'm five. (laughs) I I want to start here. On a scale of one to ten, how complicated is this system we're talking about that's being implemented in Norman?
1: Just just for football. (laughs) Explain this to us like we're um, sophomore uh, college students about to try and play a football season. We're college athletes. Oh, boy. Uh, try and get us to understand this thing. I know that's probably impossible.
2: Do, do you remember how you were able to just kind of walk around and go and hang everywhere and, and, and walk yep. any direction? Go, Yeah, can't do that anymore. You know that area where you used to sit and hang out with your teammates? Yeah, can't do that. Remember the showers you took after practices? Yeah, can't
1: do that anymore. So, oh, so you're if, telling me that $100 million locker room we just built is worthless? Well, I wouldn't quite go that far
2: because the good news is, Teddy, there's a lot of space in there. So it gives you an opportunity to, to to space guys out quite a bit. I think what I've learned in this whole process is that it is very thorough, the plan that Oklahoma has put together. I mean, it is thorough. And I know that you, know, you, you guys have listeners that are Tulsa fans and Oklahoma state fans and Arkansas and all across the world, but this is more specific to what's going on in Norman and Just, you know, from talking to, and you mentioned it, Gabe, Scott Anderson, the athletic trainer who was the trainer when both of you guys played there, Brad Camp, who was in charge of equipment, Tip's been at OU for ages, and uh, Benny Wiley, their director of sports performance. And then hearing Joe C, you know, listening to what he's consistently said, the plan is incredibly well laid out. But you've got to now understand that when you walk, uh, you're asking to explain it as simple as possible. When you walk into the building – you're gonna get your temperature checked, and they're gonna look at your Teamworks app, which is for every, this is every sport. This isn't just football, but it's every sport. And once you're in that that facility, your mask goes on. You know, so you this- you said you said the Teamworks
0: app. I'm assuming, and I use Teamworks. You know when I was in the NFL. I'm assuming there's some sort of questionnaire that the guys right. are going to fill out each day. Th- okay, that is my, that is my understanding too, and it's kind of like what, a check-in where you've been, what you've
1: app? Is that an app that's got like your daily schedule? So, and- it,
0: dude, it's incredible. Uh, you would it? It's got everything, right? So, you know, it's got all your schedules, your day-by-day schedule, your lifting schedule. It's got all the documents, you know, to fill out for tickets. It's got everything in one spot. It's an amazing resource. For athletics pro- athletic programs, it's awesome.
2: And, and I'll add to it, Ted. It uh, for for instance, like with softball, I, I would be on the TeamWorks app, and you'll get, hey, your flight. Th- this is when your flight's leaving. This is the gear list that you need to take with you. So it's a very thorough one stop place. Where I don't know if it would have to be a sheet that was on the wall or an email that was sent to you. This is a whole new entity over what would you say, Gabe? The last decade, yeah, Teamworks. yeah, it's- has started to come oh. to the forefront. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. So you, you check in with your Teamworks app, and then as soon as you get in that facility, your mask is on. And your mask stays on. And there is, it, you know, all of us have been to the grocery store, I think, where there's arrows on the floor and nobody follows those arrows and they're all going in their own direction. Well, these, these arrows are pretty specific. You're one direction uh, in and there's one direction out. The whole goal is to make sure that you're not, Gosh, the only term I can think of is, like, cross-contaminating, cross-pollinating, if you will. You're very rarely going back the way you came. Okay, so oh, that's
0: that's my question is it seems like with what you're describing that they don't want guys to go into an area more than once,
2: Correct. right? Correct. The, the team area – I'm trying to, to do this as best as I can for maybe people that aren't familiar – but before you enter the locker room and actually kind of come off the field, there is an area that's like a team area where they can hang out, where there's – I think we've all seen the video where there's like a barber chair and there's a pop shot and there's pinball. That's closed. You know, that, that's, that's an area that will not be – and this isn't just football. This is volleyball. This is uh, basketball, baseball. All, all not, no one
0: cares areas. about anything fo- football, Plank. We're only talking sorry, about okay, football. Okay, I'm sorry. sorry.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, no I'm no disrespect. I'm getting ready to do the baseball and softball pathways tomorrow. So I'm just trying to get my mind right. But so those areas are shut down in the meantime, it's just, it's a very detailed plan, even to the point where, Hey, let's say you're going upstairs and the upstairs area is where the coaches offices are. Um, They've got, you can only have I think it's three or four guys in an elevator at a time, which if you're going up with quite a few numbers, that might take a minute. You might just want to go with the stairs on that front, but, it's, it's – I, I don't think – now, I think I told you guys something wrong the other day. I don't think it's 10 guys that are only allowed in the locker room at one time, but I think everyone's in groups of 10. If I understood what Dr. Bratzler had laid out, Dale Bratzler, who's head of COVID operations for OU. So they've had to go back through and reexamine everything and reformat everything. But, you know, Teddy, you and I talked about this a little bit when we crossed paths on Friday. The area where you haven't seen a ton of change – outside of maybe a few protective pieces, is equipment and equipment cleaning. Because for years, you know, they've been fighting MRSA and different things like that. So their ability to keep, say, pads clean and helmets clean, you know, Brad Camp and his crew, Chase Brown and others, they've been doing this for years. So surprisingly, that's one area where things are kind of similar in in a lot of ways, except they had to find a way to clean footballs because they hadn't had a way to be able to truly – de-sanitize uh, footballs after they were used uh, a couple different times. Especially so it's really without – I mean, you're
1: talking about a, uh, a leather surface, which is real right. porous and, and weird anyways. But uh, the last thing you want to do is rub down the, the footballs with some type of chemical that screws up the, the feel of the football where it's not like it's going to be on game day.
2: So they actually have created a solution and I don't know, forgive me, I can't remember if it's Russell or Wilson or whomever is the official football supplier, but they have come up with a solution that cleans the football. Because I, I was at the thought, go get some Clorox wipes. Wipe it down. It's fine. Just, just but, throw some bleach on those things. Yeah, it's fine. you're fine. But that's obviously and understandably not how it works. So that's been a learning Are process. Are they going to be able
1: to decontaminate the football live like – in the middle of a play whenever a quarterback throws it to a receiver can they decontaminate it before the receiver catches it with his hands or <laughs> well no? there is an area in the locker room that where
2: they talk about you know the the chronic and constant cleaning and you know and tip laying it out they do have a mist so teddy maybe in the future they'll there be there we m- go where they're going through the air just, it'll be able to be just like this saharan dust or whatever the right. hell yeah, this has yeah. been in the air in oklahoma all weekend, all
0: weekend. <laughs> that's what the mist will
2: be like they'll just put that in the stadium so as the ball sails through but, the air it'll be sanitized perfect so i i was thinking about this from the perspective of two guys whom and again gave I'm very routine oriented. Is that fair to say for you and Teddy? I I think you're pretty much the same way.
0: Yeah. I'm going somewhere for the 4th of July. I'm leaving on Thursday. I'm already packed. I'm an absolute (laughs) psycho when it comes to routine and
2: planning. So as, as I've been going through this, I think a lot about you because I realize, you know, guys have certain ways in which they, you know, will start their day or certain ways in which they'll enter the facility or certain way. That's all changed. You know, you're going to be in a different group when you do your workouts when you start on July 1. You're going to be in – and I don't know if it's alphabetical or what it is, but you're in a group of 10. so I can't help but wonder, you know, how difficult that's going to be for guys to change their routine. They're going to have to. They have no choice, but it's going to be a challenge,
1: right? Well, it helps whenever you haven't had a routine for three and a half, four months, you know, that it's going to be kind of new for everyone whenever they come back in to to retrain everything. Gabe and I are – on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum he plans for everything i basically wake up every morning and say i wonder what today holds (laughs) there's (laughs) there's, there's no idea what i'm gonna get. oh my gosh that that would stress me out so badly anxiety (laughs) just thinking about that
2: oh i I asked i was it was funny before we popped on here i was asking my wife i said what's what's this week you know because we have three kids both of our daughters are involved in piano and different things like that. And she goes, you know what? I don't, I don't have everything right now. We'll go over it tomorrow morning. And even for me, not a big plan. I was like, you think we could take a few minutes and just do that now? So I can know what the week looks like. And it's just that I'm rubbing off on you. You are. I'm, I, I rubbing mean, off on I'm, you. I'm a good, I'm a good middle between you two, but it was, it was very interesting for me to think of it from that perspective of routine oriented people. And now how, even though it's been a mess for the last three months and trying to create that routine, now how do you go about doing it while maintaining the proper protocol, which is a term I heard a lot, and following the procedures that are laid out in front of you?
0: Now, Plank, when it comes to the athletic training component, uh, you mentioned they're going to be the one taking the guys' temperatures, you know, walking them through the locker room, making sure they're wearing their masks. Uh, What about the injured guys do, do they have protocols set up for the training room itself um do they have to schedule times in the training or how, how is
2: that working for them? that's so if, if you guys needed training or training if you needed any kind of therapy or anything of that nature would would you have to would you just walk in i would assume. just walk right in, in and go this right. hurts right exactly no, you got to text. You got you to get it set up now. You go back through either texting the uh, uh, athletic trainer or you use your TeamWorks app to schedule it. And I learned a little wow. bit more about this on the non-football side of things because, you know, that's part of going to practice for other sports is, all right, well, if you're going to training or if you're going to get some, some therapy, you're going to walk this way. If you're going out to the practice court, you're going to walk this way. So that was interesting. But, yeah, everything on the training side of things, athletic training side of things – is scheduled now. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what that means for, say, guys that are rehabbing severe injuries, like, a, like say, a guy that missed part of the season, like a Marcus Major or Jane Hazelwood when they come back. So I don't know what it looks like for them.
0: I, I wonder what it means for a guy, like, say, a guy tweaks something right. during a workout, right? They're outside on the field running, and he tweaks a hammy, which uh, it would not be crazy for that to happen. I wonder if he can go directly into the training room, or like you said, he's probably going to have to schedule it out because if someone is already scheduled and is in there, they have their protocols
2: in place, right? And I I do, there's a part of me that I do think there's a common sense element that has been built into this, but you're right. You know, they might have it planned out to where while practice is going on, maybe they're working with guys that aren't able to practice. So if something happens, you're not going to be able to go back to the athletic training room, or maybe they kind of have a separate area set up, like the medical tent that we saw on the sidelines that made its debut this year. So I think that's going to be
1: an incredibly interesting
2: angle. I, you know what I loved it the first couple of weeks because they hadn't figured out how to close it yet. So you could still kind of see what was going on in there, but then there's, they're smart people. So they figured out how to close it and zip it up. You're like, oh, I have no idea what's going on in there, but You're I could see something like it. that.
1: Your all access pass that you have is supposed to allow you into that medical <laughs> tent as well. <laughs> right? Exactly. It says hey, all access, guys. Show your lanyard whenever you uh, stick your head in.
2: Excuse me. I need to be right over here, making sure that this knee is not moving incorrectly, but I, I would assume though, that would be one way in which they could help you know, facilitate that for someone that gets dinged up while working out. Yeah, so the
0: guys, the OU's players are getting tested Monday. So that's when you know, we'll see what they decide to do with the results because now I hope Lincoln Riley ends up looking like a genius and they've got no positives. That would be tremendous, but I think that is, that's unrealistic to assume that there won't be at least a few positives with what we've seen around the country. So uh, I'm more concerned about the strength and conditioning component, Plank. And I know that you've been able to talk to Benny Wiley and talk about the protocols that they're implementing in the weight room. My first question is, there's multiple weight rooms at
2: their disposal. So where are they lifting? They're using them all. I mean, they're, they're using every single place they possibly can. And when you think about, you know, you've got, I'm going to leave someone out, but you got Benny Wiley. That's the head strength coach, Scotty Kolak, Caesar, um, gosh, and and they got a couple of other guys on the strength side. Oh, Keegan's. Keegan's And and who'd you play with Ted at Buffalo? Frank Frank and Frank. So big Frank. So they got five guys which they're able to spread everyone out and kind of work with these different groups if necessary. And, you know, I think, Gabe, did you get to listen to the Benny piece that I sent? Yeah. I mean, he's fired up about it, and which I think is you have a choice. You can either sit around and complain and go, oh, well, you know, this is COVID and I don't know what we're going to do. Or you can say, hey, let's go. This is a challenge. Let's get after it. And I thought Benny's perspective was, all right, you know, I'm being a little greedy. I want my guys back. And they seem excited about the challenge. They, They look at it and say, okay, well, this is something different. No excuses. Let's go after it. Let's get it right. But then again, in that same vein, it's a much different world because I don't think you're going to see the videos of 20 guys standing around a squat rack while a dude's uh, throwing up weight. It's just going to be so different. And the one thing that stood out to me was how hands-on, you know, Benny Wiley is and how that just, you know, for a couple of weeks, they've got to learn how not to be. So we talk about routines and, and training. That's going to be a whole different world for them. But they're going to use everything at their facility, which is the indoor, the the Switzer Center and then what the the Griffin Center I think is the way on I I could be wrong on that but they're going to use all of their weight room facilities that are yeah available they'll use obviously
0: the Roy Williams right center which is attached to the indoor like you mentioned so yeah they got options and all of them have kind of barn doors to get some airflow That's in there right. I guess
2: and, and I'll be curious to see as well you know you look down at the rugby field. And there's gear that's always out there. You know, could that be an area that they use quite a bit? I, I don't know, but do, it's, it's another option. Do they have to
0: – you mentioned that masks are required, right? Right. So these guys are going to be lifting and running in masks? Or just when they're inside, probably lifting in masks, maybe get to take them off when they run? Has there been
2: any clarification a, on that? Do you know what? I – I can't believe on all the things that when we went through that I didn't ask that on camera, but I'm pretty sure while they're doing their reps, they're not going to have to wear them. But I think that there's technology coming. That's going to be bringing some sort of covering if not, and I know Ted, you're a big fan of this, if not either on the face mask below the nose, maybe that comes from the neck up. I, I, I don't, I do know.
0: Hold on. Go ahead. So you're telling me that the shut shield, which yeah, made, which made its rounds on Twitter and was openly mocked by Teddy Lehman on his personal Twitter. <laughs> you're telling me that OU equipment has acquired
2: some of I, those. I don't know if they've gone as far as acquiring those. But it seemed in what we heard from Brad Camp that they're in the process of bringing something, what would you say, Gabe, similar to that to campus in order to protect them? Yeah, Ted, it looks like it'd be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I, I called it Shut's new uh, oxygen-reducing helmet <laughs> style that they've got. Uh, you know, you're going to fog up the inside of your, <laughs> your face mat or your shield and uh, not going to be able to get any fresh air in there. Hey, I mean if if they feel like that helps, I guess uh you know go ahead and 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 do it, but I you know, I don't know. I feel like that's just another one of these things where there's not really any science to it. It's just it appears that we're trying and maybe makes people feel better about us playing football in the fall.
2: Is there a chance is there a chance at all that over the next month, we develop. I keep saying the anecdote, but that this isn't um, some movie with superheroes. The vaccine to where you know the need for this lessens, or do you think as the numbers have continued to trend upwards, and we don't get that herd immunity that Teddy wants? It apparently is going on at Clemson right now. Um, that maybe you end up in a situation to where the need grows for the PPE for football players on the field. I, I'll tell you, what, I think the NBA is going to be an interesting study in this. Don't you guys? To see kind of how it affects players that have been tested that uh, come back negative or come back with the or with the antibodies. I mean, is it is it a great case study, or am I losing my mind for, say, the NBA and baseball being back?
1: I, I think it's a great case study. I think um, these off-season workouts are a good case study, too, which, you know, what I was going to ask you, are, are these the this protocol this whole list of, of stuff that you gave us this is specific to Oklahoma this is not a big 12 mandate this is not an NCAA mandate so do we know what other schools are doing are other schools doing this same type of stuff that's this restrictive or is this just Oklahoma
2: Gabe I feel like that in, in doing big 12 today on Sirius XM channel 375 I feel like that this isn't necessarily universal, what you know they sent out from OU on Friday, but it's very similar to what everyone is trying to do. Yeah, I think it's you know the the thing about
0: these protocols is these athletic directors, these strength coaches, uh, these operations people, these equipment people—they're all talking to each other, so they're trying to develop best practices together when it comes to operations, because really college football is all about how you can find a competitive advantage. And I think that's kind of gone out the window with this entire thing. This is one thing that every program wants to help each other on. So you, you've seen some of these guys from OU say that, yeah, yeah, no, I I've talked to somebody at Arkansas or, Oklahoma State or Kansas, yeah. wherever, and they have shared ideas. And I think that's how you you end up with such a detailed and, frankly, restrictive protocol like Oklahoma's because you're just trying to do the absolute most to keep these kids from spreading the virus if someone ends up positive. And I know that we keep seeing around the country that, It seems like some places it's going okay and some places it's going horribly. I'm looking at you, Clemson. (laughs) But, yeah, I I think everyone's just trying their best. I know that sounds simple, but I don't know. I think this is also one of those things that they're going to kind of learn as they go, right?
2: I think so. I think so. I think you see that they're working hand. And when I say they, I mean the OU Athletic Department. Working hand in hand with the university in general, you know, and President Harris making Dr. Dell Brassler of OU Medicine the COVID operations director. He's been in constant communication with Joe Castiglione and then you know all the coaches and the administrators that are involved with it as well. I I think it's going to be a learn as you go, and not just Norman, but in Manhattan, in Stillwater, in Lubbock, in Clemson, South Carolina. You know, and the great thing about it is there's no. There's no hidden secrets. You know, this isn't this isn't the the Lincoln Rally playbook, even though it is only on a sheet of paper, right, Ted? This is an open playbook where everyone's saying, "Hey, we tried this and it didn't work so well." Um, I think I think even in the in the audio that was made available from Tipton, he talked "Hey, we had a conversation with some guys from from Arkansas that did this, and they have a green initiative on campus uh, where they've worked real hard with the, the the cleaning crews and different people of that nature." So. This is going to be a nonstop learning process as long as this is as as hot as it is right now, unfortunately. So I know a lot of people are worried about the players, Plank,
0: but when you think about it and we look at the data, those guys, statistically speaking, if they were to contract the virus, should be okay. Now, you never want to speak in absolutes, but that's what the data tells us.
2: What's Oklahoma doing for coaches? Same thing. Same thing. They, they were tested. They'll be put through the process, uh, masks. And when, when I say the process, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they got to check in on their teamwork when they come in. They get temperatures every single day. And, I, you know, it, it's interesting, Gabe, because when you hear the, oh, well, you know, it doesn't affect the kids as much, the, the hotspot area is usually in the ages of your coaches, Right but this is an incredibly young Oklahoma coaching staff as well, too, on the football side of things. So maybe some of your concerns might be with the athletic training staff and some of the doctors because, you know, you don't want to subject anyone to this. So it's not I don't think it's the same – well, it might be level of testing, but they're going through the same protocols as the players are. And get this, this is kind of cool, on – you know, office areas and, and the meetings, from what I understand, are still going to be done on, on Zoom. I mean, they're not – these meeting rooms are being set up to, to space sense. up for coaches and GAs to be able to be in there. But the student-athletes will still be on Zoom. But, for instance, on your offices now, where most doors are kept open, uh, they have these tags that they put on their door, uh, green and red. And if it's green, that means, okay, you're good. You haven't been in there. If it's red, they go and they give it a thorough cleaning. So they're trying to keep everyone safe. So that wait, respect. red means right, bad, bad, right. But what happens green if the cleaning
0: good. people get confused and they think
2: green means what? go in, <laughs> and red means stop? Don't go in. What happens and, if there's confusion? plank? and everyone had a, everyone gets a bag that came back on campus. That has a couple of masks. They have sanitizer. They have deep cleaners. So you know, you might, you might not like the idea. Just speaking out of someone coming in your office. You clean it yourself. You know, they give you all the cleaner. You can take care of it yourself. So there's a a lot of things they're doing to protect those that would be in the more, dare I say at risk category is one way to put it, which again, isn't much of the Oklahoma coaching staff because the majority of them are what in their mid forties or younger. So they're in a pretty good position on that front.
1: Yeah. I, so I think, here I go. You guys are going to You're so frustrated it. about all of this right Here now. Here we go, Dad, Teddy. Just, just, it. just well, let it out, bud. I, I, I know why they're doing this. It, there is a – there's always a uh, – there's liability involved, and you have to show that you're making your best efforts to have a, a safe environment. But it is late June – we will start walk through uh, type practices with the football what in three weeks, Four weeks. And we're starting football training camp uh, right at the beginning of August.
0: Enhanced training camp is July 24th. Training camp starts August 7th.
1: August 7th. So August, come August 7th, these guys are going to be breathing and sweating and spitting all over one another so my I guess my question is it does it make sense to go through all of this now whenever there's going to be a point when all of these players are going to have to be in an environment if we're playing a football like you can't play football without like being in each other's space and bodily
2: fluids being thrown around it's
1: just you just can't do it the sport you can't do it I don't care what type of shield you put over the guy's face mask it's not going to happen so my question is you know why are we going through all of this whenever we know that the guys in just a short amount of time all of this is going to be completely totally wiped away I mean, that's, I mean, that's my only question. I mean, it's, and it's I,
2: the, why do you make your bed in the morning theory? You're going to get back in it, right? Or is that reaching too far?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's fairly similar. I mean, you, you're not going to like, they're going through these painstaking details to, to keep all 100 players and the entire coaching staff separate of each other. But the clock is ticking and it's not going to be very long before, that all goes out the the window if you're gonna practice football.
0: Less than a month, right? So, when you're talking I mean, about the enhanced training camp. I mean, we're less than a month away.
1: Guys. That's I mean, that's kind of why I've I've said all now, along that's not feel like you one going,
0: thing, you're not saying like now once again, you're you're <laughs> coronavirus The chicken pox party
2: as Andy is, Staples put it. Yeah, hey, we're gonna you, have a chicken pox party. Everyone come over, get the kids I, all subjected. I to think
0: it. the layman theory. Uh, for the college football team is well established at this point in time, but it's not like you're advocating for that. You're just saying, "What's the point of going through all this shit if, in a in less than a month, they're going to be going through walkthroughs together and right? right I mean, face to face, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying chicken pox party, but I'm, I'm not saying not, spit each other's saying, mouths. Uh, po- <laughs> I mean, I guess what I'm saying is. We, at some point, we're going to have to get back to normal. And in six weeks or so, less than that, it's going to be thrown right at us. If this is what we're going to do, we're going to play college football. I just don't know why why we're really delaying the inevitable here. I guess that's and, my and, – and then I go back to, I understand the OU, the, the university, they, they do have to have a, you know, there's a bit of – CYA going on here as far as uh, liability issues and all of that stuff. So you do have to make sure you're, you're you're putting your best foot out there for for all the safest environment you can. But my my whole thing is it, it's all about to go right out the window. I mean, are they going to keep doing this stuff after a football practice? Whenever they just had a dog pile on the ten yard line, you're going to go back into the locker room just, and just did goal jizzle. line
0: drill, and they've only got yeah. they can only have five guys in the locker room at a time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> something like right. that. And and then let's add let's add another angle to that. What I is it? Know, August man. August 17th, whenever students come back and the commitment is to having on campus classes for the most part. So then you add in that angle as well too. So it's I mean it, it's funny because you see
1: certain things that I'll just tell you right now. As go ahead. contagious as this virus is you you cannot you cannot keep it from happening i mean healthcare workers are getting the virus from people and they are wearing like five layers of protective equipment that's right i mean you you can't expect guys playing football with each other to not get it i mean you just can't they're going to pass it around and i keep going back to the fact if if we're going to react to a positive test whenever these football guys are are playing football as a We've got to completely shield this person and get everyone they've come in contact with. I mean, if someone tests positive during training camp and you try and isolate everyone they've come in contact with, that's everybody on the entire team and staff included. It's,
2: it's almost impossible. And then I've, I know you guys have talked about this a lot. Staples talked about it last week. I think he talked about it uh, with Golik Jr. But what happens then if, all right, you, you get through the season – and then boom, the weekend before the conference championship game, you get hit with uh, Kennedy Brooks or you bury it, blank. <laughs> come on, what do you mean? You hide it. You don't
1: <laughs> tell anyone. No, and you say we had a positive <laughs> test. it was this walk on running back uh,
0: I am I am so curious to see you know and we don't know if OU's gonna mm. announce the numbers or not. They've been pretty transparent throughout all this stuff. Now, clearly, they won't give specific names or anything like that, but Lincoln Riley was very vocal about pushing this thing back, right, to July 1st. They've got their players back. I'm so interested to see how many guys test positive. Uh, I I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect, because remember, there was the 14-day virtual quarantine uh, that the players were supposed to be under, and it seems like a lot of those players took it very seriously, but... Who knows? I, I'm I'm, just very intrigued to see what that positive number looks like,
1: guys. Well, you hope it's small because if it's, you know, you're talking about eight, ten guys. I mean, that's a decent percentage of your football team, and there's no telling who it's going to be. But those guys are going to have to be isolated again for 14 days. And now we're talking about, what, July 15th uh, at best – before they come back if they if you know that's hoping they don't continue to test positive so now you're talking about how whoever it is i mean maybe it's important guys as as in starters and and people that you really need to be there maybe it's not but now you've pushed them back to where they're not going to get rolling with you until July 15th so and in the grand scheme of things is it going to be a factor who knows probably not but it's just it's one more potential roadblock yeah, for them.
0: everyone's Dealing with this mass switch, I'm I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm over it. Have it go away. Can we just go? Just go away.
2: You know, it's 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 funny because I've I've. They invent
0: a mist plank.
2: (laughs) Yeah, come on. Just missed everyone. They come through in the stadium. Mist. Dave and I did a show uh, during most of the summer uh, where we talked about this daily. Teddy, I was reading an article. I think it was out of the world where you said you wouldn't handle quarantine or you wouldn't handle a situation like this very well. I'm curious to see how these guys handled it. You know, it, we're gonna we're gonna find out pretty quick. You know who who was able to make the most of it. The thing that I hate is we haven't had that picture of a player it, that that comes up in either I don't know on social media or doing charity work where someone goes, "Whoa, he's, he's been getting forty him. pounds of straight Look muscle. He's jacked." Uh, Jordan <laughs> Evans a couple years ago, who went like, Caleb Kelly last year when they saw the picture so, of, oh it my, like, god, my god, did you see Caleb Kelly's arm? <laughs> So I hate that we haven't had that yet, but, you know, it's, it, this is going to be the, the big test. How did you handle it? Who, who took it serious and who took care of the responsibilities?
0: Now, Plank, two questions before we let you go. Um, number one, is my title of best guy named Gabe to play at OU
1: in oh. danger
0: after that Burkich video? That was like a 9,000-yard field goal <laughs> that getting kicked. What the hell was that?
2: A seventy-two yard field goal. I joked Ridiculous. I think I was I think I was talking to John Hoover the other day and I and we continued to ask how did he lose the kicking battle?
1: What did Gabe Burkic do during camp last year to lose that kicking I, battle? Hey, I think we've got to question Lincoln Riley whether or not he knows how to pick a <laughs> kicker, right? And and I do think I do think, yeah, there, everything else
2: is great. Nick Saban still couldn't figure it out. At least, at least out. Lincoln Riley, Lincoln great quarterback.
0: Great at choosing quarterbacks, horrible at choosing. I think
2: I think you're safe, though. But I will tell you what, man, I love Burkich's attitude. There is nothing that seems to bother that dude. I'll never forget when we were at Baylor last year. You remember the game whenever Gabe let Jalen Hurts know that the game-winning field goal went through, one of my all-time favorite moments.
1: is Gabe told Jalen that Gabe made it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Did I say it right? All right, yeah. good. Um, while Burkich was warming up, I can't think of any other way to put it. And, Baylor, I love you, but they have – like these dorks that wear capes and are allowed down on the field and they just yell at you the whole game. They, they're supposed to be like sheer guys. And they, they basically yell at the players the whole game. And while he's warming up, there's dudes that are standing behind the kicking net. And every time he will they're just yelling, like, yeah, steak. And he just every single time just kicks it right through and then goes out and drills the game winner. No problem, man. You got, you got to love ha- having a guy like that with ice in his veins, but Gabe, I think you're safe
3: for
1: now. Bur- Burkett has a long way good, to go. long way to go. Though. Good. Yep, and remember, Gabe. Although he's a part of the team, he is not a football player. So you're, <laughs> you'll always be the best. You're football safe. Name Gabe.
0: Okay, I feel. I feel you guys made me feel better. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. And then plank. Big commitment possibly on Saturday for Oklahoma. Uh, with Caleb Williams's decision looming on the 4th of July. I know you follow recruiting pretty closely.
2: What's your prediction when it comes to Caleb Williams? I, I love, Gabe, you were – Ted, you were talking a couple weeks ago about how uh, Ted's co-host on his, on his radio show has already have Caleb Williams potentially pushing Spencer Rattler for the job. But that's, that's what happens whenever you bring in guys like this. I think he's a slam dunk. And, again, I'm not trying to be the recruiting guru that our man Murdoch or any of those guys are, but holy smokes. I mean, if he is not a commit to Oklahoma, this has been one of the all-time greatest teases in the history of mankind. Yeah, I mean, right?
0: our, our boys at Soonerscoop.com are very confident that he's going to be a Sooner, but I, I just – I don't want to get too excited, guys. I don't want to get too
2: excited. Liz, <laughs> I – Okay, here's how excited I am, Ted. I was watching video of him that he posted the other day, and I don't usually watch video of recruits unless they're out of Fort Gibson or the whole area. I read his blog over as well, nice. too. I have not read his blog,
0: but I know it's a lot well of people done. do.
2: So the recruiting side of things is always – I don't know what you can and what you can't say, and you never want to put anything at, at risk. But I'll, I will say I am ext- extraordinarily confident – in Caleb Williams being a sooner on the Fourth of July, and you know what you see—that's really cool—is you not only see a guy that seems genuinely excited about being a sooner, but what's he doing? He's out recruiting other people as well. And this doesn't happen if Brock Vandegrift maintains his commitment. And it's kind of funny. If you fast exactly? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny if you if you re fast forward, if you rewind to January, and we've laughed about this a lot. But we come home from the Peach Bowl, and what's the first thing that happens? five-star quarterback decommits oh my gosh this guy is falling Oklahoma just lost LSU he saw it got freaked out he's gonna stay home and you you then fast forward to July six months later and you're replacing him with the top dual threat quarterback in the country so again we talk about this quite regular uh, regularly but I think Lincoln Riley's got this quarterback thing figured out and I think if you're an up-and-coming guy that's where you want to play and I hope and I feel really good about Caleb Williams choosing that on July 4th.
1: Maybe a big day all the way around for him, too. Do you know why he picked July 4th? What's the significance of that day? Any he wants idea? to make
2: Oklahomans forget about Kevin Durant choosing Please. Golden State on that uh, atrocious day. It, I don't know. That's a good question. It's a good question, Ted. Fireworks, baby. I don't know. I, I mean, is anyone but, even doing fireworks this year? That's another thing, too, on the 4th I don't know. Budget
0: cuts?
1: I don't know yeah, if fireworks know, but, are in the budget I think, this year. I, I, I don't oh, think I'm, they're there. I am. I'm going all out, fellas. Ooh, I'm breaking ooh, the bank. Ooh, let's go. I love I, that. I've well, got a lot of frustration to let out on the, uh, on the no. fireworks. Okay. Can can
2: I can I ask a question as a longtime listener of the pod uh, before we go?
1: Of course. Mm-hmm.
2: W- what does Teddy's picture behind him actually say? I thought it was like "Born to Be Wild," and then I saw something. I'm in my
1: wife's office. Oh, okay, okay. It says. <laughs> If you want to bring happiness to the whole world, go home and love your family. Ah, Mother Teresa.
2: Oh, okay. I thought it was something. I thought it was a song lyric. So live, laugh, love. (laughs) Or something. (laughs) I've always. I mean, like, listen, man. I. It's
0: uh, a good message from old Mother Mother Teresa.
2: Mother Teresa taking care of us.
1: Actually, you know it says uh, the New England Patriots are going to win the AFC East again. <laughs> oh
0: my year. gosh, we get That's it. What it. Says we'll get to that. All right, <laughs> uh... you can hear our man Plank nine to eleven a.m. Central weekdays on Sports Talk fourteen hundred. You can also hear him on Fox Sports Radio on Sunday nights. You can hear him all over Sirius XM College. He's on Big 12 today with me quite a bit over on Channel 375.
2: Anything else, Plank? You do a lot, dude. What else? Yeah. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Plank Show. Tweet a lot about NASCAR and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders.
0: If you want to learn about the Raiders, he's your guy. Plankster, we appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. See you guys. Thanks to our man, Chris Plank. It is always a pleasure to talk to that
1: dude, Ted. I love playing. Dude, he is a radio machine. Stick a he, microphone in front of his face and he will go for see he hours.
0: The, he's probably the best guy on radio. He's, he's unbelievable. Dude, it's, it's ridiculous.
1: Gabe, I don't know how many times we, we roll. So, Sports Talk 1400, we, our pregame rolls four hours before kickoff on game days. So, 11 a.m. kicks. We are live at 7 a.m. Uh, if we're at home, we're at um, a spot on campus corner. If we're on the road, we're in the press box, but we're live at 7 a.m. Plank is usually coming off of like a 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. radio show, and he'll roll right in to the pregame show, and then he'll roll right into the big big broadcast, go all the way through, do the postgame. It's seriously like 18 hours of radio straight. It's amazing.
0: He's – He's unbelievable, and there's no way he'll listen to this. Yes, he will. But he's also – he's one of my radio mentors, and he played a big role in getting this podcast up and running because he's the one that taught me how to use all
1: this stuff. He knows everything about everything. He's not just an on-air guy. He knows all the bells and whistles behind the show too.
0: Yeah, he's unreal. Chris Plank, what a a guy. What a guy. Now, Ted, let's move on to national – College football news, still a lot going on. Uh, Let's start with Oregon and Oregon State. They are no longer going to call that rivalry game the Civil War. Uh, Some former and current Oregon players and Oregon State players have brought it up, and it changed very quickly. Now, this kind of reminds me of OU in Texas, right, where we called it the Red River Shootout for years and years and years and it was deemed insensitive or inappropriate, whatever the hell happened, and all of a sudden it turned into the Red River Showdown. But I don't know about you, Ted. I still call it the Red River Shootout. That's what I will always call it. I'm not worried about offending anyone with that. There's going to be Oregon and Oregon State fans that call this the Civil War for the rest of their lives, but I do think it... It's probably the right thing to change the official name of it. Um, I I understand why they did it, even though all these people are still going to call it the Civil War, right?
1: Yeah, well, they will. Um, a lot of times when you tell people that they can't do something anymore, what's the first thing that they want to do? Remember Is when you said exactly that about
0: go. the NASCAR Confederate flag people and then yeah. – there was like flew one around the the race. (laughs) They rented a plane and
1: flew one in the air. Gosh, what is wrong with people? Um, The shocking thing to me about this, isn't that it was changed or that it happened so quickly whenever they asked for it. I'm shocked that it took this long. Like you mentioned, they changed the red river shootout, like back in the early two thousands. Right. And, you know, we, for the longest time, there was all of the, for whatever reason, in all sports, like football players and fans and and, and athletes always compared, you know, playing the sport to battle, right? Remember when Kevin Garnett was talking yeah, about.
0: We're going to war, like I'm going to war right. with my guys. Like, yeah, that's a very common phrase in football and now in hindsight i'm trying to think back like did i ever say that because it's nothing like war it's not and now is it dangerous at times oh hell yeah can you get seriously injured definitely but there's no one shooting bullets at me
1: right i mean it's it's the natural like comparison there's really nothing else out there i guess i mean um but the point is that there was a time whenever that was talked about all the time and then around kind of the turn of 2000s, whenever it was all like really looked down on to start doing that. And here we have the civil war out in Oregon, which I've always thought, huh, interesting. They actually call it the civil war. Wow. Uh, Bold, but you know, I guess if that's what they want to do. So to me, it's just shocking that it's lasted this long through all of these, these different things. And, you know, we all know Oregon is, uh, not the deep red South, right? A lot of uh,
0: what's the best way to describe Oregon? A lot of plaid, a lot of granola. <laughs> yes, what? A lot of Pearl Jam, even though of, I like Pearl Jam. But
1: yes, I mean, so that's the real shocking thing for me is that it lasted that long. So um, I got no dog in the fight. If if they don't want to call it the Civil War anymore, fine. What are you going to call it? I don't know. Who cares about the state of Oregon or the slap fight or something like that? Because I got to tell you, Oregon state is pretty soft.
0: Yeah. And they've
1: had one or two good years in the last 30, I think.
0: Yeah. I think with how significantly Oregon has dominated that rivalry, they should get to rename it. Let Phil Knight rename it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it hasn't been much of a battle. Um, All right, Ted, another big story in college football Mississippi State's running back, Kylan Hill, let's remember he said he was not going to play until the state flag of Mississippi changed. And man, do they love their football in Mississippi because all of a sudden Kylan Hill said that, and let's not forget, he's the leading returning rusher in the SEC. So this is a damn good football player who took that stand and, All of a sudden you look up and Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin are at the state Capitol and Mike Leach is pulling at Lane Kiffin's mask, making all of us laugh and we're we're all dying. And then the Mississippi house and Senate have voted to change the flag this weekend. It, it happened that quick Ted. And Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely sure it was all because of what Kylan Hill said, but I do think that that young man, making a stand, utilizing his platform, speaking up about it, saying, hey, I'm not playing until it changes. I do think that that played a big part in this. And and once again, we're seeing players cause change. And, and this was change that was well, 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 in my opinion, well overdue. I mean, ha- I, I never understood why do you want
1: the loser's symbol on your flag? I don't get it, Ted. No, I- I mean that's kind of the laughable thing with me always is um, I've never understood the the uh, people that for whatever reason have some kind of uh I don't know, they, they It's like they like, idolize it or something I don't understand. Yeah, I, I've I've never really understood that. I'm not from the down in the south, so maybe you have to live there to get it, but um, you know it's Essentially, an ode to treason—you know, separating from the union. Uh, you know, it's and then they were terrorists. Yeah, domestic I, it's, terrorists. It's it's really it, the whole thing is fascinating to me. But the fact that they're getting it changed is good, and this shows you that when you got momentum, right? Whenever you you start to get a a plurality of people behind you and behind the cause. Then you can get stuff done like this, and you can get it done quickly. It also shows us that politicians, for the most part, and I don't care what side I'm, I'm talking about both sides, are liars whenever they tell us things can't be done, right? Whenever, <laughs> That's a great point. Right? They're liars when they tell us things, well, you know, it's not that easy. There's and a lot of red tape. A lot of red tape, a lot of hoops to jump through. Uh, nope. whenever people want something done, you should do it. And that's what happened in Mississippi, and on we go. I'm curious to see what they replace it with. I, I could – I never – well, I shouldn't say I never could have guessed uh, Mississippi State flag. If I had to pick from a, a group of flags, I probably could have uh, guessed which one it was. But um, interesting to see what they come up with, what they pick as a, as a replacement.
0: Yeah, what's, what's the – Mississippi state bird or animal or something. I, I don't know. Maybe just slap a bird on there or a Isn't tree.
1: Farbs from Mississippi. Just slap his face on there.
0: <laughs> oh, or some of those, uh, those cell phone pictures he sent back in Hey-o, the day. Maybe I just like slap
1: it. that on the flag.
0: <laughs> but uh, you know, kudos to Kylan Hill uh, making a difference. Yeah. That's going to go down in history books. When people talk about, and I'm sure when they teach Mississippi history years and years and years down the line, there's going to be a little blurb that said, hey, Kylan Hill was one of the reasons that the state flag changed, and it's pretty damn cool that a college football player. Which, by the way,
1: player, um, a he's kind also of really a, damn good. Yes, kind of an unknown player out there. Um, you know, Mississippi State, where they are in, in the SEC and stuff, they've had some good players lately, especially defensively, but... Um, I was sifting through his highlight film that I came across on Twitter uh, right whenever – it was a couple of days after he made that initial uh, declaration, and that dude is special. He can play. Yeah, he's pretty good.
0: I think he would be a very well-known player if he played somewhere else. But he's he's an absolute – Well, he's going
1: to be a well-known player now. Yeah, you know. he's going to be a
0: well-known player when he gets drafted in the first, or second round of the NFL draft, and a bunch of people are going to buy his jersey because they'll remember he got the Mississippi State flag changed. So, um, pretty
1: cool, man. It's just the just Mississippi cool. State bird is the mockingbird. Mock,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just throw, just throw Jim Carrey on there, right? Uh, <laughs> it will be yeah. fun to see what they change it to. I'm sure there will be some interesting submissions.
1: Oh, yeah. That's funny. Okay, another
0: story in college football, kind of along the same lines, uh, there is a situation that has developed at Kansas State. A Kansas State student named Jaden McNeil tweeted, quote, congratulations to George Floyd on being drug-free for an entire month. As most of you clearly remember, George Floyd tragically murdered, in Minneapolis set off all of these protests. K-State players saw these tweets, both black and white players, and they've come out and said they won't play, practice, or even meet until the university puts a policy in place that allows a student to be dismissed for displaying openly racist, threatening, or disrespectful actions toward a student or group of students Now, the K State president said they are reviewing the university's options. But, Teddy, this is a very slippery situation for the leadership there at Kansas State because you have a student clearly tweeting something very stupid. I don't know why you would ever, and I know that this kid leads some far right student group or something. I don't care. Either way, whatever he does, I don't care about his politics. It's a dumb, insensitive, moronic tweet. But does he deserve to get kicked out of school for it? I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what K-State's options are. Do I think he deserves to have his ass kicked for it? I sure do. I think maybe the best thing would be Jaden McNeil gets put into a room with all these football players and gets to maybe explain his tweet, and they can express their displeasure with said tweet. And maybe that's his punishment. That, that would seem fair to me, but you can't do that. So I, I just don't know what K-State's leadership is supposed to do because the, the players aren't doing anything until something's in place. And I don't know if they want this kid kicked out of school, if that would be enough uh, clearly they want a policy in place where students can't say stuff like this but i i don't know what kansas state's going to do but they're in a tough spot here
1: yeah yeah i mean that's they they want the the kid to be kicked out of school and maybe he will be but i find this to be a Very, very, very dangerous precedent to set. Um, You know, what he said is awful. It's um, tasteless. It's, you know, we can say all the things that we want. Um, But here's, here's the thing. Not very long ago, this would be looked at as Uh, like some edgy joke, right? I mean, we've seen stuff like this before from, from comedians and stuff that, that are, that are edgy, controversial. So to take that, and I'm not, I don't know if he was joking or not, but I'm saying we've seen similar things. To take something like that and, and kick someone out of school. And I don't know the I don't know the school's bylaws and everything, but here's what we're talking about free speech, right? And free, the, the First Amendment there is there to protect um, unpopular, awful, bad, horrible speech. That's what it's there for. It's not there to protect popular speech. We don't need the First Amendment to protect something that's totally popular, right? We need it to protect things that are not popular. And as much as I hate what the guy said, what they're asking for is to put a policy in place to allow students to be dismissed for displaying openly racist, threatening or disrespectful actions toward a student or group of students. Well, who's going to decide what is racist, what is threatening or what is disrespectful actions? I mean, that's a, pretty wide gap as to, you know, where we want to start uh, throwing kids out of school for posting something on social media. Uh, again, I have to reemphasize this because a lot of times things get taken out of context. Don't support what the kid said at all. And quite frankly, I don't care what, what you suggested sounds like as good of a punishment to me as any. But whenever you start um, going down this road of hammering people on their freedom of speech, it does not end well. It does not end well for the rest of us. And again, it's there to protect what is unpopular, not what is popular. As bad as some of these things may be, that First Amendment is there for a very specific reason. And if they were to put this policy in place, in my opinion, that is throwing the First Amendment, the freedom of speech directly out the window.
0: Yeah, it's... It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how this develops in Manhattan. Uh, I do not envy the decision-makers at Kansas State right now. That, that seems like a very difficult situation when you look at it from any side because you can understand why the football players are so pissed off. Uh, you can understand that it's going to be very difficult for the leadership. And, and even if this kid was trying to make a joke – which I, frankly, I know that he's come out and said he was trying to make a joke. I don't believe him. Uh, I think that he had a tweet that blew up, and he wasn't expecting it to. And you know, one of my life mottos is, "Hey, when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes." So now he has to deal this, deal with this shit storm he's brought on himself. And I'm, I'm sure that's not fun. But
1: my guess is they're not going to have to actually dismiss him. He's probably going to find somewhere new to go to. Probably school.
0: transfer. Transfer. Transfer somewhere. Maybe in the South. Maybe he'll go to Mississippi State. <laughs> who knows? Uh, now, another big story in college football. John Swafford, who is the ACC commissioner, announced plans to step down after this athletic year. Now, he took over. He's been there for forever as the commissioner. He took over in 97. Back then, the ACC was a nine-member conference and Swafford's made it into a 15-member conference with its own TV network and with basketball teams and football teams consistently winning championships. So not too shabby. And commissioners are quite possibly the most powerful people in all of college athletics. So this is a big deal. So we need to monitor closely who's going to replace John Swafford as the ACC commissioner because – You've got media rights deals down the line. You've got the college football playoff TV deal down the line. And whoever takes over as commissioner there is their, – their voice is going to be heard, and they're going to play a part in those decisions, Ted.
1: Whoever takes over as commissioner there is taking over at a horrible time, which is probably why he said – I think he's 75. is that right? I think mm-hmm. he was like, you know what? This year, this is supposed to be the easy time of the year. Uh, this has been an absolute uh, nightmare, a headache. I'm going to go ahead and let someone else do it. I'm going to step away and enjoy some retirement. Um, yeah, this is a, a very difficult time for conference commissioners. There's there's so much going on right now. There's, you know, every day you end up with more questions than answers by the time you lay down for bed. So, Well,
0: you, you think about what we talked to Plank about, the protocols just for Oklahoma football, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then you have clearly – the coaching staff, who's in charge of the team, and then you have the athletic director and then the university president. Well, technically, all those people fall under a conference commissioner. Yeah. So you're dealing with all of that at each school when you're a conference commissioner. Now, clearly, you're probably not dealing with it directly, but you're touching base with all these people. This has to be absolutely exhausting for Swafford right now. So I get it. He's like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm cashed. <laughs> Just let me retire and live in peace.
1: Yeah, it's it's brutal, but you know, he did a heck of a job um, during his tenure. Yeah, took over in '97. You know, had FSU. What FSU, Clemson, Miami? Uh, am I missing anyone else? Win a national title in in football during that span? It's been a nice span for the for the ACC. Now, you look at their membership right now. And they've got some big names that have been down for a while, and Clemson's just kind of owning the thing right now. It would be, it would be great for that conference to see Florida State, Miami, some of those schools uh, fight their way back and be competitive again.
0: Yeah, and, and that'd be good for college football. I think, I think I, Miami I and Florida State more- being good is good for college football, and it brings—I mean—it brings more entertainment college football it's still so crazy that they're not good especially Miami it seems like they've been down for a while
1: now they have I I still hope that if we do the deal where you know it's been talked about with conference realignment you go to four 16 team conferences and then that's how you you break down your your uh your that's playoff you get scenario. Your eight. yeah mm-hmm. I I would love to see the ACC and the Big Twelve uh, merge because I think it would be really cool. You'd that love be, to see
0: OU Clemson every year. Sign me up I for mean, that. That'd be awesome.
1: Dude, you would have a great East. You would have a a really good West. Um, you could you could kick out a bunch of bad schools from both sides. But no, I think it would be I think it would be really cool. Will we ever get to that? I have no idea. But it's it's at least cool to to play around with and look at.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean,
1: I don't, hate the, I don't hate that idea, Ted. Why not?
0: I could go for a Clemson-OU game every year.
1: Almost, that'd be awesome. Hey, it would be one hell of a basketball conference, too.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. I mean, you look at, clearly, Duke and Carolina, uh, Louisville. Is Louisville in the – no, they're not in the ACC anymore, are they? Are they in the American? Florida
1: State was really good. Was it this year or last year? They, they've had a – Yeah, couple they're, they've recently. been pretty,
0: pretty solid. Um, When it comes to hoops, they got some serious athletes on that basketball team. Uh, Okay, one more story uh, before we move on to the segments, Ted. Clemson has 14 more cases of coronavirus. They're up to 37 total, and it's clear now. They are going with the layman theory of just spreading it through the team. Dabo's not fooling anyone, right?
1: No. Um, they're just going to keep plowing ahead. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. Um, they'll they'll handle these cases whenever they they arrive. They'll separate the guys and just keep the rest of them moving on, um, you know, like normal. And their theory is, by the time this all clears and the dust is settled, they're going to have a football team that's that's sitting there that's got the antibodies that is that is dealt they're with this thing. Going to be mutants. And, And um, hopefully they can move past it. But, you know, is it going to work? I don't know. But uh, what what I think is what's happening at Clemson right now, I fear is going to happen everywhere else that is trying to keep all the guys separated once they get into actual training camp. I see what you mean, yeah. At that point, if everyone, if that happens across the country and everyone's in training camp and the virus is spreading like crazy through everyone, well, then what are we going to do?
0: And then, and then Dabo's just going to be sitting there laughing maniacally. National champs. Everyone else had to cancel. <laughs> My plan worked perfectly. Yeah, I, I don't know, but you see, thirty-seven of their hundred-something players, you, know, you realize that that is a significant portion of that football team that has tested po- that has tested positive at some point for the coronavirus. So we'll see, but I think it's rather clear that they are. They are believers in the layman theory. I'm going to call it the layman theory. That's what I'm calling it. That that seems appropriate, right? I'll take it. Sure. Yes. All right. Let's move on to our segments, Ted. And since it is Monday, you're going to get some football guys talking basketball, some FGTB, and a lot of news when it comes to the Oklahoma City Thunder we all expected it to happen, but it is official. The Thunder have signed Lou Dort to a four-year deal that includes this season for $5.4 million. It's a good deal for everyone involved. When you look at it, uh, you get a starter on the cheap. Uh, this is also an undrafted guy that is making solid money now. Uh, the Thunder are 16-5 and five with him in the starting lineup. It, it's a good deal for everyone you feel really good for Lou Dort because he deserves it Uh, you even though you knew it was going to happen it's it's good to see it happen and that gives him I bet some some positive vibes some confidence going into the little Orlando bubble scenario I bet Lou Dort's going to be playing his ass off now is this the max that he could sign for I would assume uh, yeah I'm not I'm not I'm not going to pretend that I know the undrafted max deals in the NBA, but you would assume that this is a good deal with everything he's put out on Twitter and stuff. He seemed very, very happy about this deal. So I don't know about the max, but it's it definitely seems like he's very happy about what happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of that, the NBA salary structure you have to have a separate college degree to be able to oh understand gosh. all the ins and outs of if it. If
0: Bobby Marks doesn't tell me, if or Woj, I'm, I'm i got nothing.
1: <laughs> because the interesting whenever you said uh, it's a good deal for everything, the first thing I'm thinking about: how is this a good deal? Whenever the starting point guard makes forty-five million dollars a year, and he makes one million dollars a year, but uh, you now we should have gotten drafted. <laughs> that's right. So I don't feel bad for him. As a former undrafted
0: guy, I do not feel bad for Lou Dort. Good for him
1: yeah because here's the here's the other thing about his contract that yours never did. every penny of that is guaranteed, so uh the man's going to end up with five point four million dollars, which is great so yeah dude i mean um i the roster looks good right now i'm just the only thing that I wonder is can they can they recreate the magic and the chemistry that they had whenever everything was shut down because they were rolling man
0: yeah and and you got to hope that they stay healthy. Uh, One reason that I love watching Lou Dort play, it's not because he plays extremely hard. It's not because he's super athletic. It's not because he's a great defender. It's because he looks like he could play football. I have a soft spot for basketball players that look like that they could succeed playing football. And there's not many of them. There's really not, but I just imagine Lou Dort with some shoulder pads on, coming off the edge like a la Khalil Mack style, and I'm it just gets me all kinds of excited. I'm like, oh, could you imagine his long arm with that leverage? Oh, be awesome to watch.
1: <laughs> well, hey, I'm with you right there. The no matter, I don't care if I'm watching baseball, if I'm watching uh, swimming, it doesn't matter. I'm always looking at someone saying, uh he'd be a good running back or we turn him into a wide receiver, he'd be a good uh three technique. I I do the same exact thing. Always always taking it and trying to fit it into a football context.
0: Yeah, Eric Bledsoe running back Drew Holiday oh, would be great as a wide receiver. These are these are things I think about when I'm sitting there watching the Thunder play. I find myself just daydreaming about guys on the teams playing football. I don't know if that makes me weird. It probably makes me weird, but I am what I am. Now, you look at the Thunder schedule, right? So the NBA, they come out with the seeding game schedules for each team, and the Thunder have the ninth toughest schedule of the 22 teams based on opponent win percentage. Here's the Thunder's eight seeding games. They've got the Jazz, Nuggets, Lakers, Grizzlies, Wizards, Suns, Heat, and Clippers. So not the easiest road, mm-hmm. but certainly not the toughest now. Remember when you looked at their regular season schedule and what we thought was going to happen, the Nuggets were on there twice. Unfortunately, they're only getting the Nuggets once, getting the Nuggets once, and they replaced one of those Nuggets games with the Lakers. So that's a little unfortunate. Now I do believe that every team has one back-to-back in the Orlando bubble, and I think that the Thunders back-to-back is the Wizards and Suns, I think, is is what I remember reading. I could be wrong. It's either Grizzlies and Wizards or Wizards and Suns. So their back-to-back is at least against teams that aren't very good. So that's a bonus. But, Ted, there's so much mystery surrounding yeah. this NBA restart. And I'm not even talking about, you know, the coronavirus numbers skyrocketing in Florida. I'm, I'm not worried about this. I, I firmly believe this NBA restart is going to happen. I just don't know what, what kind of shape our guys going to be in? Is everyone going to be healthy? Like, what's the chemistry going to be like? It, the, there's so many unknowns, man.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the difficult thing. And we still don't know yet you know, what all the rosters are going to look like, because I feel like I I see more and more guys every day that are opting out that are going to stay home that are, you know, we we've heard of several different guys, um, you know, and
0: Rudy Gobert says he can't smell from long distances. I don't know what that means. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? He's like, I haven't regained 100% of my smell. I can't smell from distances. It's like, wait, if you can't smell from distance, like, explain yourself. I don't know. He's French. He's weird.
1: What is a long distance uh, to smell something from? I mean.
0: This, This is how you need to test Rudy Gobert. Make him walk through an airport. Make him walk by the Auntie Anne's Cinnabon combined place. And if he doesn't stop and turn and take a big whiff, then, yeah, something's wrong. And don't let that guy play in the NBA restart.
1: I think. What if his uh, he hasn't realized that his sense of smells um, not back because he has his mask on? It's like, hey, Rudy, <laughs> take the mask off, dude. That's why you, you gotta, can't. Spell. You gotta take
0: your mask off, big guy.
1: Oh, yeah. I should have thought of that. S- yeah. Speaking I mean,
0: of the masks, what sixteen of three hundred and two players? So five point three percent of the NBA guys that got tested tested positive. For the coronavirus, some notable guys: Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Buddy Hield. Don't take Buddy Hield from us, coronavirus. What are you doing? That's just ridiculous. But Adam Silver says that even if there's a break, there's a breakout in the bubble that that could maybe lead them to stopping play. But it sounds like they're going to make this thing work pretty much under any
1: circumstances. Yeah, I mean. I- I like that. I like that approach. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing that we, we've been talking about with um some of these off season off season workouts and stuff with football. It it's all it's all fun and games until your first, you know, interaction happens out there, then you know, six guys test positive after the first week of you know, um it just kinda of continues to grow. So I don't know how I mean I, I don't know how teams are going to react if they're going to be plucking guys off of rosters and throwing them into into quarantine for 14 days. I got to tell you, I I just I don't know how it's going to go. My hope is that it goes great because if it goes bad for the NBA, then college football and NFL screwed. are going to be are going to be screwed. So, but I, still, my fear is that if they continue to react to every positive case by completely pulling them out, isolating them and isolating everyone that they came in contact with, then I just I honestly don't know how you play sports at that at that point. But yeah, and it's kind of the the situation we're faced with.
0: Now, the most confusing thing could be when they put some of these kind of replacement players in, right? Because maybe a guy tests positive and he's got the social justice message on his nameplate instead of his name. And then we're all confused. We're like, wait, who, who's that guy? It, it, I don't know who this human being is, but it's got like, you know, get out there and vote on his back. I'm going to be like, I, I don't know who any of these human beings are, but that is a pretty cool thing that the NBA is considering doing that. I, I think, remember, they're still trying to find ways to use their platform uh, for change, you know, for to fight social injustice, all that stuff, when they're in Orlando. So. I don't know. I I feel good about the NBA steal. I, I do. I do. I still feel good about it. All right, Ted, let's move on to our winners and losers of the weekend. Like our man Toby Keith says, we got winners, we got losers. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend?
1: New England Patriots, baby. Oh, here we go. Cameron Newton, one-year deal. Now, Patriot fans like myself are in a tough spot to where we have to – um root for Cam Newton, a guy that I have never been a fan of before, so I'm t- I'm putting a tough spot here. Going to have to swallow my pride on this one, but how many times in the NFL, my guess is zero, I couldn't think of it, has a team lost a NFL MVP quarterback to free agency and got one back the same year in the same offseason. That I can't imagine that that has ever happened before. It's unbelievable. Usually if a team loses a a all pro NFL MVP to free agency, they go in the tank for years to follow. But somehow the timing worked out perfectly for new England, that cam Newton was going to be a free agent this year. And they've been able to swoop him up. Now um, what does that mean for new England? I'm not exactly sure how cams, personality is going to jive with Bill Belichick and McDaniels uh, there. But, um, you know, I do think that that offense has a lot of uh, availability to change and to adapt and to, to take a guy like Cam Newton, that can be a dual threat. And is that's the, that was the one limiting factor that Tom Brady had is he looked like a newborn giraffe back there in the, in the pocket trying to move around and avoid rushers, not very athletic, looked like he was on stilts, so, Cam's uh, going to give them a little bit different dynamic. Obviously not the accurate passer or the um, the, the mentality or mindset of Tom Brady, but uh, he does – it's a lot better than um, Stidham. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel
0: bad for Stidham. Jared Stidham. Do you think he saw this? He, he probably found out about it on Twitter, and he probably just was like,
1: oh, man. Yeah. I, I he feel probably bad saw for it coming, guy, though, right? But I'm sorry when – uh, former NFL MVP is out there just hanging around a free agency. You got to have a feeling that he's probably going to end up there. So Patriots winner.
0: Yeah. He's only 31 years old and it takes a little bit of the sting away from the Patriots sanctions, right? $1.1 million fine. They lost their third round draft pick in 2021. They're not allowed to film games. They're, so their creative team just, I guess, going to take the year off. I don't, I don't know, but Cam Newton being yeah. the quarterback in New England, we all knew I, it was going to happen eventually. It just took a little time.
1: I just viewed the 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 film team happened to uh, shoot the sideline of the Bengals game as a misunderstanding. I think that type of stuff oh my happens. Gosh, you just got to move move past it. We're. We're on to – let's pick someone other than Cincinnati. We're on to New York, uh, as Bil- Belichick would say. So, just yes, a slight as, misunderstanding. as he would
0: say. <laughs> All right, Ted, who do you have as your loser of the weekend?
1: The loser of the weekend is um, the skateboarding teenager who – peed on Joe Ingalls driveway <laughs> and, and, and Joe Ingalls tweeted out to the young skateboarding teenager that peed on our driveway, uh, slash garden, just a heads up. But our security cameras see everything Ooh. face and every other small detail. Uh, wow! so, <laughs> uh, someone out there is like, Oh my God, please don't tweet that out. Please don't tweet that out. I thought that was pretty funny. Those dang skateboarders.
0: I'm trying to to decide how mad I would be if I saw a kid peeing in my driveway. I I would probably be more confused than anything. Like, like pee in the grass, you freaking weirdo. Like, there's a perfect patch of grass right there. Pee in my lawn, okay, that's one thing. But if you're peeing on my driveway – that's straight-up disrespect. We we may fight. I may walk out with – because the camera – you would assume the camera would alert you if someone's in the driveway, and then, well, if I catch you, I'm going to try to make, make you pee on yourself. That's what I'm going to try to do, for sure.
1: I know what probably would happen with me. There would be a dramatic overreaction to the situation <laughs> on my part, followed up later by a – Well, you know, I guess I did a bunch of really stupid things when I was young, too.
0: I was dumb once. I remember those (laughs) days. Those were the good old days. Oh, don't pee in my driveway. If you're listening out there, don't pee in my driveway. Don't do it. It's not going to end up well for you. You're either going to have pee on you or...
1: Do you remember the NASCAR Confederate flag thing? Don't tell people not to pee in your driveway. I'm just telling you, man.
0: What happens if someone shows up in my driveway peeing, wearing like a NASCAR or wearing like a Confederate flag shirt now? Oh, gosh, my nightmare. All right, my winner of the weekend, UCLA. And I know that may be confusing because Under Armour is trying to terminate their $280 million apparel deal with UCLA. And a lot of people think that's a bad thing. But not me and not Matt Barnes, because Under Armour is absolute trash now. They, it's just not good. And I understand, and first of all, this whole thing is suspicious in general. It's like Under Armour said that they didn't get what they were promised. I don't know, well, what did UCLA do, or what did they not
1: do? They must this have sh- promised them a winning football program.
0: Yeah, I don't think them actually being good at football was in the contract. I mean, you signed up what you signed up for. But UCLA's winning because they don't have to wear Under Armour anymore. They don't have to try to recruit kids saying, hey, check out our sick Under Armour gear. That doesn't work. Everyone wants to wear Nike. Some weirdos even want to wear Adidas. We know all the cool kids want to wear Jordan brand. What up? No one says, yeah, I'm going there because they're Under Armour. No one. So I think UCLA, while they need to figure out where that money's going to come from now, if they can't figure out this misunderstanding with Under Armour, they may end up winning in this because maybe they'll get some better players because they'll just be a Nike school, Ted.
1: Yeah, well, unfortunately for Under Armour, when a team is an Under Armour team, it's viewed as they weren't good enough to get a nike deal you know Mm. so it's it's weird there was a there was a brief time where under armor you know was was making some headway chewing up some it was really cool in
0: like 2005
1: 2006 now recently their hunting gear is awesome but outside of that i mean cleats horrible and here's the thing about cleats, and you know this, and I'm, it's the exact same in basketball. Guys are very particular about their footwear. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a football practice, game, season – If you have cleats that just do not agree with your feet, it's a miserable, miserable experience. The worst. So uh, Under Armour for me, you know, I only tried some on once, and I probably was wanting to hate them before I ever put them on my feet. So that probably factored in a little bit, but uh, they just did not agree with my foot, and I, I could not wear Under Armour cleats. There's no way. So um liberation UCLA. for ucla
0: exactly a blessing in disguise perhaps for ucla football been kind of a rough couple weeks for old chip kelly remember his players wanted the third party to observe everything and now they're losing their apparel deal yikes right
1: hey. not, not a good All- not a good week all that under armor slander that we just threw out there i will say this if under armor would like to be a sponsor of the show we, we would can... we would delete
0: all of this <laughs> it, like it never happened and it, you want
1: should we film an alternate segment uh, where we talk about that under Armour, the under armor the best athletic apparel <laughs> on planet earth
0: now yeah hey you know everyone has their price ted all right my <laughs> loser of the weekend Wake Forest and Penn State football players. Let me explain. Now, Wake Forest's coach, Dave Clawson, is going to isolate from his wife from July 12th until the season ends. His wife underwent chemo and radiation for breast cancer in 2017. They don't want to take any chances. James Franklin is doing something similar because one of his kids has sickle cell. So I, I hadn't really even thought of this aspect of it when it comes to coaches and their families. Now this is really sad and unfortunate and it sucks. And I understand they're just being as cautious as they can be. Like that's admirable that they're doing what they think is best for their family. You know, one for his wife, the other for their kids. Like that's great. That's great. But can you imagine how stressed those guys are going to be being away from their families for the entire season I, I don't these know players how, yeah. at wake forest in penn state are going to feel the full wrath of tightly wound head coaches
1: it's, uh, it's gonna, gonna be, be miserable it's gonna be miserable man i i don't know how you could be separate from your family for for six months i mean i get it training camp you go into training camp and you rarely get to see family and kids and you don't get to see friends and, and all that stuff. I mean, it, it's tough, but an entire season, dude, I know it's, it's what we're saying, six months and people are oh, six, you know, five, six months. It's not that bad, dude. Whenever you're in the the middle of a season grinder, every one of those days feels like it's forever long and you're six weeks into the season and you look at the schedule and you're like, wait. We've got six more games after this one. It just it drags on forever. So that's going to be brutal. Let's not forget. There's probably there's probably birthdays, anniversary, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Oh, the holidays. Well, I mean, it's brutal.
0: And just one thing about coaches is, and a lot of coaches do this now. Like during the week, they're they're working insane hours, but they'll bring their families and the other coaches families up to the facility and they'll have like a family night where the guys where the coaches can just decompress even if for even if it's just for a couple of hours and i think that's super important for their physical health and especially their mental health because these guys are psychos during the season And I think just those moments with their family, whether it's something like that or them, you know, maybe leaving the office early one day and getting to spend some time with their kids like that is so needed for these college football coaches to operate like normal human beings. And these guys aren't going to have that. I know there'll be FaceTime and zoom and stuff, but it's not the same, not being in person. So I I'm worried for those players at Wake Forest and Penn state. That's going to be awful.
1: Brutal. Um, the guy's wife is uh, probably like, oh, thank you. I can finally uh, clean the house up and get this place looking right and get things straightened up around the house. But, no, that – I mean, seriously, that's going to be brutal. And hopefully, hopefully, we reach a point at, at some point during the year to where we're able to move past this. And yeah. he's able to go home, see his family. I hope and so, man. We're able because to have it- a, a normal life, normal season.
0: It made me really sad for Claussen and Franklin, and then I was like, "Oh no, those poor players!" <laughs> I just had this moment of realization where I was like, "Good God, that's gonna be so bad." All right, Ted, let's finish with everybody's favorite segment, and that is keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And unfortunately, this is going to be a very sad. Keeping it local because the State Fair of Oklahoma has been canceled. It was scheduled for September 17th to 27th. It takes place during my birthday each year, and I love going to it, and it's not happening. And we all know and understand why, but uh, I feel bad for the businesses. Man, uh, I always have so much fun with the vendors there you know getting to chat with random people i love the food that's my favorite part I, I i eat just the most ridiculous things at the state fair every year now i don't do the rides but i know some people love them uh, there's some people that are big ride people at the state fair you're telling but-
1: me after uh Five sticks of fried butter. You don't go jump on the, the, the whirly Newport. whip oh. and uh, <laughs> go for a ride on the the chainsaw. A deep
0: a deep fried Snickers. Oh, there's so much good food at the fair. The, oh, there's it's delightful. And the worst thing about all this, we don't get to enjoy the people watching that takes place at the State Fair of Oklahoma. That is the most elite people watching on planet Earth. The characters there are unbelievable, but they all mean well. They're all in a good mood. Everyone's having a great time. It's. I'm just so damn sad. Teddy, the coronavirus is an asshole, man. I'm tired of this, and the State Fair of Oklahoma is the newest coronavirus casualty,
1: and it's sad. I'm upset. Yeah, it is typically the world's largest cutoff T-shirt and jorts meeting, but um, this year it's canceled. It, it's frustrating for me because I still think it's it's way too early to to cancel something in the middle to late September. That's just me. I understand they've got to have a lot of time for the for the setup and for for the people to get prepared and the businesses that are going to go in there and, and, the different, all the different things that are involved. But I just, I just wish people would, would hold out a little while. Um, you know,
0: I feel you. I just think that once again, we always talk about the liability, right.
1: And which I'll just say this, if you can't have a fair, no, How in no, the world are you gonna have it. a football game, don't, Gabe?
2: No, you did it. Don't
1: do it, but you did it already.
0: I said don't do it and you did it. <laughs> Sorry. Stay positive. Just, I'm I'm this I'm is what I will say. Extremely positive, but the state fair, I'm sure, brings in a lot of money, right? I would assume I I don't know their financial situation. I don't know what the revenue looks like, but you would assume makes some solid cheese. I don't think that it makes nearly the cheese that football does because there's not some big TV deal. Although there should be for the people watching for the state fair of Oklahoma, that would be must see TV, but there's not the TV component of it. There hey, should be. Dude. Did we just stumble on a billion dollar idea?
1: State oh. All we do is set up, set up cameras out there and stream it. You people watch from the comfort of your own home.
0: That sounds like the best TV show of all time. We, yeah. Do we know anyone in TV? Uh, yeah, of course. Do we know? Do we know anyone at like Cox? Cox Communications—they need to sponsor this. What are they doing? Of course, we know. I think I need to reach TV. out. I don't think I've reached out to Cox. That was. Did stupid,
1: you ever watch uh, Live PD? Yeah, didn't it? It, it got pulled it, though, right? I think it got pulled. Yeah, along with this Cox. is this. My vision is the exact same thing. It's live state fair where you've got people at all these state fairs across the country. And they run up in video fights and, you know, the guy that's had too much cotton candy over in the corner and check out this dude that looks like Joe Dirt and you just go all around the country, man.
0: Or or the awkward group of like teenage guys that's trying to hit on the awkward group of teenage girls and we get to hear like all their pickup <laughs> lines. Oh, yes. Yes. Sign me up. Love it. We're doing it. We got to find someone to green like that. What, I'll be executive producer. You can be the talent. You can be the person that goes and interviews them. Ted, you're more – I feel like you're more of a man of the people than me.
1: Well, I uh, typically maybe, yes, that's the case. But I feel like uh, with the State Fair, I think I need to be a studio guy. Do you own jorts? No. Okay. Interestingly enough, though, my wife recently purchased some, I guess – They have to be designer because who else would make these? She got my son some cut-off jorts, like bought them. Are they cuffed at the bottom? I don't think so. I think they're like jagged, like cut off. Oh, wow.
0: Okay, I don't own any of those, but I will fully admit, I'm I'm not scared to admit, I do have two pair of hipster jorts. They are pretty slim fit and they are cuffed at the bottom and I look damn good in them. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I look fantastic. So
1: I, I – like, if I cut off jeans – My brother shorts,
0: was the inspiration for them. He, he he was the one who was like, you need to buy some of these. And so I got on and bought them, and I was like, ah, I don't know. And then I wore them once, and I was like, I look incredible
1: in these. If I cut any of my jeans into shorts, they would look like – almost like – I'm not saying my jeans are like skin tight mine are Uh, i've got a big butt and some big quads they yeah
0: we only wear skinny pants like i i turned you on to the abc pants for lululemon and now that's all you wear and there's uh, they they fit us incredibly like there's we don't need to be ashamed i i only wear tight pants and i'm perfectly comfortable doing that and people are like well aren't you uncomfortable i'm like no they're really high quality, so they're really tight and really stretchy. And I'm more comfortable than you, tough guy.
1: Well, here's the thing, and I agree with everything that you said. It's all fun and games until you cut them off above the knee, though, and then it's a, it's a totally different game changer. You know what I'm saying? When the whole pant is there, you're covered. Yep. When you start to expose the knee and the uh, part of the thigh, it can look strange. It's I, I, I just my guess. I haven't tried I
0: yet. never thought I'd be a short shorts guy. And I'm, I'm never going to be like the super short shorts guy, but I've noticed my shorts are starting to creep uh, farther and farther above my knee. I noticed that the other day. I was like, hmm, that's interesting.
1: You know, so, we, I used to laugh at my dad. My dad coached um, my Little League baseball team. And imagine a 90s, early 90s uh, Little League baseball coach, and my dad fits it to a tee. The foam trucker hat way before uh-huh. they were cool. Okay, the 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 t-shirt, jersey, jersey with, you know, whatever Bob's furniture on there and then like the the polyester shorts, you remember the the super oh, short yeah. coach's shorts? He had those and the the pulled up almost to the knees tube socks with tennis shoes. It was <laughs> glorious.
0: We're going to need to get a picture of that. That sounds amazing. All right, all right, Ted. Now, let's finish up with a Twitter question because I didn't forget this time like i did last episode that's on me my bad gang uh today's twitter question comes from bobby locklear at b underscore locklear eight he says if you had to eat at only one local restaurant for the rest of your life what restaurant would it be ted you
1: first easiest question ever and i would I've lobbied my wife to actually only eat at this restaurant for the rest of our lives. Uh, Charleston's. Okay. I'm sorry. It's Charleston's. Uh, I get the rib and chicken combo. Okay. I get the pork chops. I get the filet. Uh, I love the baked potato soup. I love the sides. You get the glazed carrots, you get okra, you get a baked potato. Charleston's in my opinion is the best way to go. The honey mustard. All of your bases covered charleston's they even have fried catfish
0: so in my head i was thinking charleston's because like you said i I think variety is key right he's saying only one restaurant for the rest of your life you got to have some serious variety and charleston's has that they have great apps they have great salads they have great entrees so my other one would be a place called cafe 501 now there's one in Edmond, and there's also one here in Oklahoma City, in Class and Curve, and my wife and I we we eat there a lot. But it's the variety that they've got. Well, uh, they and- they do a brunch on the weekends. It's really really good, and then they have a whole, you know, a whole list of sandwiches. They've got entrees. They've got really good salads. They've got like protein bowls. I mean the variety, and then they have pizzas so I mean you can you can pretty much get everything you want and they've got really good desserts so since you went Charleston's I'll go Cafe 501 as if I had to pick one local one that I could only eat the rest of my life it would be there because like you said the variety is key
1: variety is key I love Cafe 501 Um, variety is key but you you got to be good at the variety like Cheesecake Factory has 700,000 things on their I, menu. I have
0: no idea and, how they have that many.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. That's too much variety. You've got to have some things. You've got to have a, a, a menu that's got a lot of good items on it, but they got to be good. they got to be special, and I've never had anything bad at Charleston, so that's where I would go.
0: Oh, that queso is so damn good. I'm going to Charleston's here in the next couple of days, Guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right, Ted. Episode <laughs> 20 tonight? <laughs> Episode twenty in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each
3: other. Just one.